Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, we missed you on Sunday. Yeah, I... What was I doing? I, there was some reason I couldn't come on. I can't really remember now, but um, yeah, happy to be back, although I'm feeling a little under the weather, which, you know, it's my fault. I went up to Penn State for the Penn State pit game, and I, I didn't use protection. I There was a lot of pit fans around me and just in the general vicinity, and it's, <laughs> it's possible one of them may have touched me. I don't know, um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid I have the pit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a pit fan behind me, uh, and next to him was a different pit fan who brought their two like eight-year-old, like it might have been a son and a daughter, or maybe it was both daughters, and it was just children screaming "Let's go pit!" for the entire time I was there. And let me tell you, I've never been to hell, but I imagine it's kind of like that. Uh, so yeah, I, we might as well, since you didn't have you on the podcast, what did you think about the last game? I thought it was interesting. I I kind of feel like that was probably McSorley's worst game in a while. Um, he definitely wasn't at his best. He overthrew uh, multiple times. Um, I remember the one third down run where he took off and didn't quite get to the first down marker. He definitely had a guy open crossing for a first down that he just missed. So it wasn't his best game, but I would wager that he was probably a little overhyped after last year. And I don't foresee it being a big problem, but I thought the defense was outstanding. I've been really impressed with the defense so far this year. And as far as my personal experience at the game, I had, I had a pit fan, two rows ahead of me and a pit fan two rows behind me the one two rows ahead of me i decided to be nice and befriend and had friendly conversations with throughout the game the one behind me i chose him to make him my uh mortal enemy for the day and every time that penn state scored and i got up and went through high fives all around i would point at him and scream yeah and at one point he slapped my sunglasses off but i caught them midair so i screamed at him even louder after that so that was fun uh, two things. One, uh, Nick educates children. Uh, and two, yes, I do. Nick is one of like, for those of y'all who have met Nick, you know he is one of the most like pleasant people in real life. So the fact that he was just being such an outward jerk face is really is tremendous, and it makes me very happy and it makes me laugh. Um, sports, sports settings brings it out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have too many opportunities to be the worst person in the world, so when they pop up, you might as well use them. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, so I, I might as well just ask you about McSorley since we're trying to kill time because we don't know too much about Georgia State. I He basically did say after the game, listen, I was a little overhyped. Uh, I was a little fired up. I believe Andrew Callahan from, uh, from 24-7 Sports ended up writing this. I, I, I mean, I think that the more that I've sat back uh, – I'm not too concerned. I think that having a night game against a team the caliber of Georgia State, that's the kind of thing that I think can, I don't want to say fix a lot of Penn State's issues, but can kind of make whatever problems Penn State might have had in the past game seem like not as big of a deal because, you know, they're going to come out, they're going to be in front of a big crowd, they're going to be doing all these things. So were there any issues that you saw during the game, whether it be with McSorley or whether it be with somebody else, who 
or where you think they might be uh, long-term things that are worth keeping an eye on, or are you taking the approach of they won 33-14 even though they didn't play great? If that's what they do and they don't play great against a Power 5 team, they're going to be really scary down the road. Yeah, my mindset's more of the second um, avenue of thinking. I Yeah, there's things that Penn State didn't do great on Saturday, but if you take out that um, the one touchdown the Pitt scored, uh, and Penn State was able to stop them when they were inside the red zone for most of the day. You take that out, they only scored six points. You take that out, and Penn State's defense almost tied Pitt by themselves, 6-2. So I, I think oh it was— Oh, my I God, think, that's so mean. Yeah. Good good um, job, Nick. So I think I think it was fine. Um, obviously, there's things that you would like would have liked to see a little more, but I thought the receivers— we're doing fine with getting separation. Um, McSorley, like we said, McSorley missed on a few throws that could have gone for big plays, like the one to Gesicki on third down, and there was another one I forget who was going for. But overall, I thought it was fine, and I don't think there's anything that really made me worried. Um, like you said, I I'll take 33 points, 31 points scored by the offense in a game where they're soundly beaten in terms of plays run and time of possession. That's fine with me because it, I mean that, that, that was the worst they've played since the first half of the Minnesota game and last year. And I'm a okay with that. Yeah. I think it's a pretty fair, uh, fair take. Also uh, real quick, I want to announce. Uh, so last year I made it no surprise that my favorite like minor thing that a Penn State football player would do was uh, whenever they would play the song "Anti Up" by MOP, uh, Brand- and Brandon Bell was on the field on defense. He would start dancing, and it was fantastic, and it made me smile every time. This year, the replacement for that, and I am saying this because I want everyone to pay attention uh, for Penn State's next game, is that now after they run out of the tunnel and everyone drops to a knee in the uh, opposite end zone to. You know, take a second to pray or whatnot. Mike Gusecki is always the last person to leave the end zone. And immediately after he stands up, he throws his helmet on and then just skips out and just like starts punching the air and gets all fired up. And I realized that was not going to be a one-time thing uh, during the pit game. So please, everyone, keep an eye on that. And uh, yeah, I think we've burned enough time. Yeah, let's try talking about Georgia State for a while. Uh, Georgia State currently 0-1. Uh, they played one game so far this season, a 17-10 loss at home to Tennessee State. Uh, in that game, they got really had some trouble stopping former Florida quarterback and current Tennessee State quarterback, Treon Harris. Uh, they're going with a bit of a two-quarterback thing. It looks like between Connor Manning and Aaron Winchester, with Winchester being... Actually, actually oh, Manning, um, they, it said Manning... Got got hit, and they thought it maybe it would have been was maybe a concussion. So that's oh, okay. why Winchester came okay. in. Yeah, as you can tell, I didn't I did not watch Tennessee State against Georgia State. Uh, but yeah, I know the one player that we really probably need to look out for is Penny Hart. He was, uh, I believe, I read a freshman All American at wide receiver. He's only five eight, but his freshman campaign seventy one catches, one thousand ninety nine yards, eight touchdowns uh, last year. Uh, how do I say this? We're not exactly uh, dealing with a juggernaut right now with Georgia State. I mean, it's a, they are relatively new to Division One, correct, Nick? 
Their, that's only like their second bl- or third year? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. And I kind of showed last year they went 3-9, and nine, uh, took down Texas State, took down UT Martin, and got a win over uh, in-state rival Georgia Southern. But the most notable thing they did last year, they went into Camp Randall week three, played Wisconsin, lost 23-17, to 17, made it really, really scary. So this is a team that, even though I think, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler, and I apologize for doing, doing it this early, Nick and I both think Penn State is going to win. Nick, at the very least, we know this is a team that, you know, they're not going to be too terrified by walking into one of these tough Big Ten road games, uh, even though the Wisconsin game was a day game last year, because, hey, They've gone into an environment like this, one of the best environments against one of the best teams in the country, and they were able to hang punch for punch with them. Yeah, I think they'll be more hyped up, if anything. I mean, they don't have anything to lose here. No one expects them to beat Penn State, and they get to go into Beaver Stadium for a night game. That's fun. Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm always looking out for in games like this is, like you said, if you're Georgia State, or if you're one of these other small schools that gets paid money to go play a Power 5 team in their place and just get wrecked, you have absolutely nothing to lose. You can go in there, you could take risks, you could do whatever fun, weird stuff you want to do on offense. And I I, ho- I almost hope to see that at Georgia State because I want Penn State to have to deal with a team that's going to take them on a little bit unconventionally. Maybe unconventionally in a different way from the way Pitt did it. So, Nick, what are your general thoughts heading into this game? Initially, so, like Bill said, I don't really know much about Georgia State. I've read some previews and checked out how their first game against Tennessee State went. And the one thing that seems to hold true and has held true this year is that their secondary is very good um, and experienced as well. They were, if you look at the Bill Connolly's advanced stats, they're... On the defensive side, their passing stats are really all very close to the outside of the circle, which is what we call the Michigan zone. But they were also supposed to beat Tennessee State by like 20 points, and they lost. And even before, and uh, the easy thing to say is, oh, well, they were without Connor Manning. They were without their starting quarterback. With him in the game, it was... 17 to 3. So it's not like that was even the reason why. So it's it's hard to be too optimistic about Georgia State's chances of making a lot of noise in this game. They rushed for only 49 yards against Tennessee State last week. Treon Harris outrushed them alone on the other side who rushed for 91 and a touchdown. It's it's not looking like it's going to be a great year for Georgia State. I mean, it's early. Things could definitely change, but they do have some tough games they have to play. They have to go to Memphis. They have to go play Appalachian State. Um, I guess those are really the toughest ones left. The rest kind of seem like toss-ups from there, but it's it would be a nice way for Trace McSorley to to bounce back if he could show that he could complete some passes on this Pretty talented secondary, but their run defense is also just horrendous. And it might just end up being the Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders show. Yeah, I, I'm, when I look at the uh, that Tennessee State game, which small sample size to go off of, they've had two weeks to prepare for this. 
Tennessee State still had three people outrush Georgia State as a team. Georgia State's best rusher would have been the third, fourth best rusher on Tennessee State. Like, when you think of... Oh, and also Tennessee State averaged a little over five and a half yards per carry. Yep. When you think of what Penn State... Like, what they could do to become really, really special and what the entire offense... I don't, well, I don't want to say. I don't want to say what the entire offense is predicated around, but what the offense could potentially do really well is just shred you in a bunch of ways in the running game. I mean, Saquon Barkley is the best running back in America. After him, Andre Robinson. I, I mean, Andre Robinson's never really had a game in his career. He has not recorded a carry so far this season. Miles Sanders has recorded two. One went for 16 yards, the other he fumbled against Pitt. Like, Penn State, this could be a game where we can almost see, in a perfect world, what a fully formed and terrifying Penn State rushing attack looks like. And that's the thing that I think I want to see out of Penn State in this game. Other than, you know, I'd like to, you know, I want to see McSorley. I would be stunned if he puts the ball in the air a ton. I feel like they just don't necessarily need him to do that. So I want this game to be about the running game. I want to see Penn State's running game go out there and try and just fly all over the place against a Georgia State defense that is susceptible to, again, through the sample size of one game, is susceptible to letting teams beat them on the ground. Uh, Nick, what is the thing that you're looking for uh, specifically in this game, I, I I agree with you that I don't think they're going to put the ball in the air too much. I would like to see them get some just early, quick rhythm passes for McSorley just to get his groove back a little bit with a much bigger game coming up next week. But I I agree with you. I'd like to see Saquon. I mean, it'd be nice to see him get. I think it's 168 yards he needs to get to 3,000 for his career. That'd be cool, but I think it's more likely he probably puts up around like 150, 140 before he gives way to the next guy. It it would be nice just to see some of the backup running backs get some run in this game, whether that's mostly Robinson or mostly Sanders. I kind of think they would maybe try to give Sanders a healthy dose of carries to try to get some confidence back, and maybe a guy like Mark Allen if he's healthy. But... I mean, aside from that, I I mean, it'd be nice to see the defense continue to do well again, possibly put up another shutout. That'd be fun. I, I do want to ask you this, because I think that this is one of those games where Penn State could very, very easily try and make this um, a game with tape that gets sent to the Heisman, to Heisman voters for Saquon Barkley. I think I want to see them do that at least for a half. Like, I want to see Penn State, if they get the opportunity to do this, say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to ride Saquon through the air, on the ground, in the return game, if he gets the opportunity to return any. And we want him to just eat up as many yards as possible and get as many touchdowns as possible. Because even though we expect him to have those good games later in the year, this could be one of those really, truly just, like, all-consuming performances out of him. 
So I want to go on the record saying I want this to be a game where they purposely try and help out Saquon Barkley's Heisman campaign. Uh, Nick, are you in the same boat, or are you just kind of whatever on that? I'm sure that'd be fine. I'm sure. okay with that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And then the I don't other, think oh, I don't think they'll run. I don't think they'll run up the score in this game. Right, I think they'll. Right. I think they would let Saquon do his thing for a half and then put in the backups and maybe let Stevens throw a little bit, but mostly just keep it on the ground, which could still lead to an inflated scoreline. But Georgia State's been really good to Penn State for the past however many years. Uh, they've allowed them to do satellite camps yep. there, which um, is the reason this game's taking place. So I I don't think they would run it up on them, but I could definitely see them trying to feature Barkley in more than a few plays. Yeah, I, I was actually just about to say... Uh... This game is happening because Georgia State uh, did Penn State a uh, solid, and I know we've touched on this in the past, but just really quickly, can you give like the thirty second uh, explanation as to why this game's happening? Sure. So Penn State, before restrictions um, kind of became a little more restricted on satellite camps, although I think they still plan to do them again in the future. Um, Penn State hosted a satellite camp uh, with Georgia State, with Georgia State, not at Georgia State, with Georgia State. Um, they did it this past year. I think they did it two year, either two years ago or three years ago as well. Um, but if memory serves, that's actually where they first discovered wide receiver Trey Nixon, who ended up going to Ole Miss, but uh, was a kid that was just out of nowhere that they discovered eventually became a four-star player. So these satellite camps down there have been really important for Penn State, especially as they continue to grow their presence in Georgia. Uh, they have, obviously, Grant Haley's from Georgia. Blake Gillikin is from Georgia, yes. I believe. Um, so Georgia's a very talent-rich state. So Alex it, Barbier's from Georgia, correct. Alex, correct. yep. It, it behooves Penn State to stay in the good graces of Georgia State so they can continue this partnership and continue using that connection to try to grow their influence there for are, sure. Are there any uh, Are there any Georgia kids, uh, maybe notable Georgia kids, uh, maybe number one recruit in the nation Georgia kids that Penn State uh, has its eye on? Yeah, um, I mean, there's uh, – what's his name? Justin – Justin Fr- – Fr- uh, yes, Nick, Justin don't, don't, I was going to say don't say anything that will get us in trouble now. Yes, um, yes, I do know Justin Fields' name, if anyone was confused. Yes, the former Penn State commit number one player in the country, depending on who you're looking at, dual-threat quarterback Justin Fields, is from Georgia. I don't know if they ever encountered him in a satellite camp. I'm not sure about that. I, the, um, I know he initially earned an offer from Penn State after he came up to camp in State College, and everything kind of took off from there, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a byproduct of that. It's it's not unlikely that Penn State met somebody from his high school or met one of his coaches there, and that's kind of what prompted that visit in the first place. But, yeah, it's possible. Also, Justin Fields is not coming here. Uh, yeah. Uh, Penn State's defense, we haven't talked about them uh, in the context of this game. Like, is there anything you want to see out of them other than maybe, like, get you toward gross mottos and Tariq Castro fields and Lamont Wade as many snaps as possible. Yeah, sure. Get the, yeah, let the young guys play more, but I also am very much enjoying watching the starters play defense right now. So yeah, they're fun, just, man. Yeah. Just keep being fast. Keep doing your thing. Yeah. Uh, and with that, 
Uh, give me a sec. Loss. Uh, no, we'll do college football lines. Find out what the line is for this game. I believe it opened something like 34 and a half. I'm not sure where it's at now. Uh, cur- oh, 37 and a half. Uh, and the over-under is 53 and a half. So, Nick, does Penn State cover? And does Penn State hit the over? Penn State and Georgia State hit the over. Fine, whatever. The what? It's 37 and a half, you said? 37 and a half is the spread, and 53 and a half is the over-under. My score prediction is going to be 43 to 6. So, I guess I have them not covering by half a point. Oh, wow. Hey, look at you. I have it at a... I'm going to go with something probably like... I'll say something like 48 to 10. So, I think they cover and I think they hit the over. So, there's some uh, there's some little gambling advice for you if you want to win a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything else to say about this game. What about you? Nah, it's a game. It'll be a night game. It'll probably be really fun for anyone who's going. Yeah, what, what, I, what do you think about that? Because I, I love I, re- it. I remember when it came out, there were some people who were kind of weirded out that Penn State was having a night game against the people the, who were like, annoyed, or the people who were like, rah, 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 "I was going to bring my kids to this game, and now I can't." Rah, 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 rah. Well, yeah, sorry. And also, I like, this is not something that was in Penn State's control. Like, BTN said, "Hey, let's put this at night because." As you all will see in a sec, this week's Big Ten slate is just complete butt. And, like, yeah, it got thrown in there. Now Penn State has another night game. And if you like Penn State, this means you get to tailgate all day. And you don't have to worry about – I don't want to say you don't have to worry about any consequences because uh, there are always consequences with this stuff. There aren't any – like, you know, you're not going to have that sinking feeling in your stomach like, oh, my God, Penn State's going to lose tonight. It's a night game against – Ohio State or a night game against Michigan or something like that. Like, no, it's against Georgia State. So that this has the potential to be a really fun weekend, just in general in Happy Valley, for reasons outside of football. And then eventually you're going to get a chance to watch a football game under the lights, one that probably a good number of people are going to go to. So uh, yeah, like I think this is going to be a really fun one. Like I, I don't think. Fun necessarily means close. I think this is going to be one of those games where we see uh, Penn State's defense really show how it's able to fly around everywhere uh, and cut opponents off from doing whatever they want to do when they have that leg up on them. And then the other side of the ball, I think Penn State's skill position players are going to have a game where they all get a chance to show out and they all get a chance to show what they could do and Trace McSorley gets a game to kind of recalibrate himself after going 15 for 28 for, with 164 yards against Pitt. Like, that's fine. It's fine to have a game like this, especially when next week we have to worry about Penn State getting on a plane, flying out to Iowa, and heading into Kinnick for a game that has historically been not great for the Nittany Lions. So I think there's a, this is going to be a fun one. I think Penn State fans are going to end up enjoying this. And, yeah, are you going to be coming up for this one, Nicholas? I'm not. Oh, for shame. How could you possibly miss this game? Yeah, well, I'll be coaching a baseball tournament instead, so I'll be making I'll be actively making money instead. <laughs> uh we well, um sorry, we uh we pay our writers uh unlike 
I'm kidding. We don't actually pay anyone. Uh, yeah, so let's move on and discuss this. Buy a thing. shirt. Yeah, buy our shirts. That's how we make money. Uh, Nick actually hasn't eaten anything in like three and a half months. He needs you to buy shirts, so please do that. Uh, yeah, let's move on to this week's Big Ten slate. Uh, we'll start Friday night, Illinois at Southern Florida. Uh, kicks off 7 p.m. ESPN. And unsurprisingly, Southern Florida, 14.5 point favorite, uh, 53.5 point over under. Nick, I think Quentin Flowers is going to run around like a crazy person against Illinois, and the fighting line aren't going to get a chance to do too terribly much. I know you heard, uh, I believe, podcast name Play Nobody make the case that this game could be interesting. Do you think that ends up happening? No. I'm a little annoyed that Illinois spat all over my prediction of them losing every game the rest of the way last this past week. Um, but I think Quentin Flowers is far too good to allow Illinois to beat him or really even keep it interesting. Yeah, I agree. Moving on to Saturday. Noon kick, BTN. Oh, wait, ticket prices. Uh, uh, no, we're going we're gonna to save the ticket prices game for a little bit farther down because okay. There, okay. there are some ones that I th- – there's one that just like straight up stuns me and then a few others that are kind of funny. Uh, but, yes, if you want to go to this game, it will cost you $16. Uh, Saturday. BTN, noon kick in Ann Arbor, Air Force at Michigan. I actually think this game is going to be intriguing. Not because I think Air Force wins or keeps it close, but I'm very interested to watch Michigan's defense and how they end up dealing with a service academy and that triple option. Again, I don't think Air Force makes this interesting or anything like that, but I think this is a good opportunity and a good test uh, for a Michigan defense that so far this year has been lights out for the most part. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, it'll be a, a good um, challenge for a lot of those young kids on the Michigan defense to go up against a team like Air Force. And on the flip side, they're probably really hoping to start seeing something better out of Wilton Spade. He's been fine. He's very, 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 very average. But if they're going to really make noise this year, then they need him to be more than that. All right. So, Nick, do you know? So this week, uh, of course, as we mentioned, uh, Michigan going to host Air Force. Wilton Wilton Spates completed 51.9% of his passes. Do you know what is on the horizon for the Michigan Wolverines? Hmm. Um, I know is. Is Purdue next week? Oh yeah, they got to take a trip to Watts Lafayette, baby. Yes. Oh, yes. Th- that's that's going to be one of the games that like has been mentioned. Either Purdue, they're going to make it really, 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 really interesting, or they're just going to get stomped. And then after that, like Michigan is kind of a tricky three-game stretch. Michigan State uh, at Indiana at Penn State. So I think we're going to learn a lot about them over the next month or so. Uh, and I think there's a good chance that heading into that game against Penn State, that's a game for Big Ten superiority. So that should be a that should be fun. Uh, I'm but, really excited to see whatever trick play Brom draws up for the Michigan game. Oh, it's going to be fantastic! It's going to involve just like people turning backwards and like linemen not blocking because they want to confuse the defensive line and just a bunch of really weird stuff. It's going to rule. 
And again, that that game is probably going to end like sixty-six to zero, but I don't care. It'll be a very, it'll be closer than the scoreline indicates. Uh, moving on, Nebraska, the mighty Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, one and one, lost last week to Oregon in a very weird game. Noon kick, FS one against Northern Illinois. Uh, I think I don't know too terribly much about Northern Illinois this year. Uh, I think Nebraska probably ends up winning. Uh, yeah, whatever. I'm still I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you completely on Nebraska. The more after watching them last week, I think the fact that you know they didn't allow a second half point to Oregon's really encouraging, but they allowed 42 in the first half. So I don't know what this team is other than just a gigantic question mark. The Oregon play calling in the second half was also garbage. I I'm I'm not. I think this might this Nebraska team is like the most uninterested I've been in watching a team since like last year's Minnesota team, I guess. There's I I I just can't I can't I can't watch them. Yeah, it's totally fair. Uh I probably will not watch this game either. Uh in a very light Big 10 noon slate. That's it. Moving on to the 3:30 slate. Uh, Wisconsin has to travel to BYU, 3.30, ABC. Uh, games in Provo. BYU is one of those teams BYU where... BYU is trash. I, I think they're going to try and be physical against Wisconsin. I don't think it works at all. I think Tanner Mangum should be way better than he probably is. Um, give me a sec. Let me find the line on this one. Uh 14-point favorite, Wisconsin. Uh, oh, Tanner Mangum's doubtful for this one. Ugh. Yeah, Wisconsin's a 14-point favorite. 41 is the over-under. Uh, Nick, without looking, can you give me the name of BYU's r- leading rusher this year? Nope. Squally, Won't even try. Squally Canada. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a immediate add into the all-name team. Uh, Wisconsin, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, they're probably going to roll, and then they start their very uh, soft Big Ten slate. So, yeah, uh, congrats to Wisconsin on a win this week and then a win in co- the upcoming weeks because, yeah, you should. Congratulations on your birth to the Big Ten championship game. Yep, and apologies that you're going to have to play one of the – one of the, uh, I'd say, eight best teams in the country, probably in the Big Ten title game, you'll probably lose. But whatever, getting there is half the battle. Uh, next up, a game that I we're going to play the ticket price game for. 3.30 p.m. kick on BTN, Middle Tennessee, taking on Minnesota. Nick, there are 448 tickets available. What is the cheapest one? Hmm. 448 is not a lot. I'm going to say that Minnesota fans are surprising me, and I'm going to say $26. $19. That surprised me because when I saw Middle Tennessee against Minnesota, I figured nobody on in their right mind would want to attend this game. Middle Tennessee so far this season lost to Vandy 28-6. to and then, did you see what happened with them last week in Syracuse? 
No. So their defensive coordinator is former Syracuse head coach Scott Schaefer, who okay. uh, he ended up getting fired, and he is now their defensive coordinator. They walked into the Carrier Dome and beat Syracuse thirty to twenty three, and then after Scott Schaefer just walked around the Carrier Dome while smoking a cigar. So, hell yeah. So yeah, Middle Tennessee's yeah. been good. Well, I mean, twenty eight to six against Vandy. Well, I mean, they've been good the yeah, past been, few years. They've had a few good years, and like Vandy does that to people. They just make these really gross things happen. So whatever. I, I don't think they beat Minnesota. I think Minnesota is aggressively average, but I think it's going to be hard to go into their place, and PJ Flex going to get them boys up to play. So yeah, I don't uh, know. I don't know anything about Minnesota. I I'm curious to see them in a game where they actually have to throw the ball. The line in this one is Minnesota by eleven and a half. I would I'd take Middle Tennessee. Yeah, sure. Next up, North Texas at Iowa, three thirty, ESPN two. Uh, so North Texas. Let me just double check that they're the team that I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. So North Texas is coached by a crazy person. His name is Seth Luttrell. He was the offensive coordinator at UNC. Uh, under Larry Fedora. Before that, he was an offensive coordinator in Indiana. Before that, an offensive coordinator in Arizona. He's come from some really weird places. And I I don't think that they're able to beat Iowa. I think Iowa has looked pretty not bad uh, so far this year. But I think they're going to try yeah. and get out there and they're going to try and really, really turn it into a high-scoring game. Uh, we saw last week that Iowa can win high-scoring games uh, when they won Alaska, but I think Iowa ends up winning this one. Uh, let me check on the line right quick. Iowa is a 23-point favorite. I think North Texas covers that just because weirdness. Uh, and then next week, I think Iowa loses. Yeah, I agree with that. Nate Stanley looked pretty great against Iowa State. Yeah. Which yeah. is really good news for Iowa. Yeah, I mean, when I was able to throw the football, it I mean, they always have a good offensive line. They're always able to run the ball. So when they're able to have the dimension of throwing the football, that makes them a pretty dangerous team. Uh, and that's great because Akamwadwi hasn't – like he's averaged 4.5 yards per carry. That happens. James Butler, 4.2 yards per carry. That happens. Uh, I think we – might have expected them to, uh, how do I say this? Maybe kind of blow up a little more. Maybe that's something that happens sometime soon. But so far, I mean, it's been a pretty good year for Iowa. There's no reason to think they won't go into next week 3-0. and And then I very much hope they lose that game. Uh, I'm very biased. Yes. Yes. Agreed. After, Nick, in what I expect to be the bounce-back game to end all bounce-back games, uh, an angry, a vicious a thirsty for blood Rutgers team at three thirty on BTN uh, hosts Morgan State. Nick, does Rutgers lose this game? I don't know. I I praised them so much. I gave yeah. them so much credit for what they did against Washington. And, and you then and, you and me both, we were just sitting there like, oh, you know what? Like uh, we think Chris Ash is pretty good, and this and that, and the other, blah 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 blah. And then, well, I do think Chris Ash is a good coach, but yeah. They scored more points against Washington than they did against Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't sure. I guess they win. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. 
I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised at the cheapest seat for this game. What do you think it is? 271 tickets available. Hmm. If you're pleasantly surprised, uh, 17? Nine. Ah. Which, you know what? Shows where the bar is for this program. Uh, next up, what might end up being the banger of the week, uh, Purdue has to go to Missouri. Missouri in their first week against, oh, Missouri, hell yeah. against Missouri State looked real good. And then last week they played the Cox and they looked real bad. Uh, they lost 31-13 last week. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jake Bentley, I'm pulling it up right now, was able to just throw the ball over. Yeah, South Carolina didn't score in the first quarter. And then Jake Bentley was able to move the ball. They were able to run the ball. On Missouri, uh, Drew Locke wasn't as fun as he was against Missouri State. What are the odds? Uh, Missouri was able to move the ball to the ground a little bit. But uh, having said that, I think that of all the Big Ten games, uh, this one is at Missouri Kicks at 4 on uh, SEC Network. I think this has the potential to get a little bit crazy. Uh, but ultimately, I'm not too sure. This game's going to end like 63-54. to 54. Purdue is appointment. Purdue is appointment viewing. They have entered that realm because you're either going to see them be stupid bad or stupid fun. Woo, Nick! Guess what the over under is on this? Um, sixty nine. Seventy seven. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> Just That's in my, awesome. In my quick scan through games this week, that might that is a higher over under than Arizona State Texas Tech. I was I, about to ask, what's the Texas Tech over? Neither of those teams believe in defense, and this is a higher over under than it. Uh, that's then, fantastic. Yeah, it's just the rest of them. Like, yeah, that's the highest over under that we got this week. This game, hell this, yeah, this game is over. To be weird, over. Hammer the over. I, I'm going to take the under, uh, but yeah, I think that. Oh, also, uh, let's see. Missouri is a seven and a half point favorite. You know what? I don't think that happens. I'm going to take Purdue to go in there and win that game. Yeah. Boiler up. Boiler up. Um, want to talk about a team? I wish. Front? I, go ahead. I wish. Ha- I wish Hammer and Rails didn't suck so much, so we could more <laughs> op- openly root for Purdue. <laughs> yeah. Well, Indiana it has a. This week's game against Florida International is canceled, so I, we have to take the love that we usually feel for an Indiana football program and put it somewhere. So we might as well funnel it, funnel it there. So, sure, sure, we're Purdue fans this week. Uh, hey, do you want to talk about a team in crisis? Sure. Army travels to Columbus to play Ohio State. It's on Fox. It kicks at four thirty. Nick, is JT Barrett the answer, or should he get benched for Dwayne Haskins? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize this is a radio show. <laughs> No, um, it's a, no, it's a, I no, actually just I actually just uh, follow recruits on Twitter, so I know their conversation. And I also follow Kirk Herbstreet, who has been extremely online arguing with recruits. Yeah, he's been arguing with Jackson Carvin today. Wait, which listen, like, whew. oh man, who listen, Kirk, yeah. buddy, like. I agree with everything you are saying, Kirk Herbstreet. Don't get me wrong. But if there's one thing that ESPN's just, just number one let, color commentator should not do, it's argue with a recruit. Just let the number one offensive tackle who's from your state say what he yeah. wants. 
so he comes to your school. Or or just say something like, man, Jackson, that's harsh. If you end up at Ohio State, you'll see JT's – you'll see the impact JT – just something like that. Like, okay, God. Just go, man, that's harsh. The laughing, crying face yeah. emoji. Laughing, crying face emoji. Laughing, what, crying face emoji. What he was tweeting because oh. – uh, where are you? Oh, <laughs> this is my favorite one. So, uh, someone, t- so, uh, someone tweeted lions. Don't worry about the opinions of sheep. So Tate Martell tweets. I wouldn't classify Kirk Herbstreet as, she- as a sheep. So then Kirk Herbstreet quote tweets that and goes, Tate, can you help the young fella? Like Kirk, just chill. stop. Yeah, Kirk. Just stop, man. Just step away. Nick and I, we are both like very, very much fans of Kirk Herbstreet. This is not a hill to die on. Man, we're here for you, but don't do that. Just don't do that. Uh, yeah, but otherwise, like, yeah, JT Barrett should be their starting quarterback. Yeah, and it will be. Ohio State will score like. 50 points in this game. Oh, yeah, I think they're going to wreck Army. I, I'm very interested to watch their defensive line, uh, really just their defensive front in general against Army and all the weird stuff that Army is going to do. Um, yeah, I, I think Ohio's, I think they're going to be real mad this week, and I think they're going to show it in the way they play. I think they're going to come out, and I think they're going to stifle Army to the best that you can stifle a service academy's offense. Uh, and I think they're going to move the ball just all over the place on defense. They have uh, two more – after this, they have two more tune-up games before they get into Big Ten play. They play UNLV, and then they go to Rutgers, um, and then they get into Big Ten play. So I think they'll what, be fine. What a, great de- what a great decision by the Big Ten last week to kick Rutgers back out. Uh, no, actually, uh, Rutgers is just not in the Big Ten, and they never have been in the Big Ten. They are not a Big Ten football team. So th- this is going to be a new thing. We're just going to fail to uh, acknowledge the existence of Big Ten powerhouse Rutgers. Uh, but no, yeah. Rut- Rutgers is still in the Big Ten. Rutger, Rutger. though. Rutger. Rutgers. Rutger. Yes. Rutgers uh, is out. Ben, I hope you're listening. We did this for you. Uh, yeah, Ohio State's going to roll. Then our final game, and this is a game where we are definitely playing the ticket price game. Uh, 7.30 kick. BTN, Evanston, Illinois. The 0-2 Bowling Green Falcons are going to get on a bus and they're going to drive out to Evanston and they're taking on Northwestern. Nick, what, for this night game in Evanston, is the cheapest ticket you can get? There are 3,420 tickets available, the most for any game this weekend. 3,000 tickets. Oh, man. Um... Four. Four? Uh, You went a little high. It's two. (laughs) Ryan Field seats 47,000 people. And right now, if you want, you can buy one of 3,420 tickets. You know what I'm actually also very interested in? I want to know what the most expensive ticket to this game is. Yeah. I'm going to say... Too bad SeatGeek doesn't sponsor us. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I, I've used SeatGeek. I could speak from experience. SeatGeek. I, I do, too. I love yeah. SeatGeek. Uh, My My Chicken. Also, if you're listening to us, My My Chicken, please sponsor us. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, that's on you. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta hook that up. They're right around the corner. I'll work on it. But, 
without looking, I'm going to say that the most expensive ticket to this game is $200. Just a nice round number. What do you think? Um, I don't know what the stadium looks like, so I don't know what... It's like a horseshoe. Do, do they count, like, box seats in those? Probably not. Um, I'll say 186 the most expensive ticket to this game is $195. You are right. in, you are right. sitting if you want uh right behind the visitor sideline in the 60 <laughs> Where in, else would you want to be? In the 62nd row. Well, gee. I'm yeah, I'm very interested. Let me get my credit card. Yeah. If I'm going to be in the 62nd row for Although this may be, it looks like this may be a stadium where like sixty second row means uh, doesn't oh, like mean like way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. I have a question. Yeah, what's up? What do you What do you think is more embarrassing, losing nine to seven to Illinois State last year, or losing what was the what was the score this past week, or losing um, forty one to seventeen to Duke this year? For Northwestern. Duke is actually kind of good, uh, and that was on the road, where, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Illinois game was in their place, right? I believe, well, um, of course it was Illinois State. Yeah, of course it was. Oh, Illinois State, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'm way more embarrassed by losing to the FCS team uh, than going on the road and, uh, you know, getting blown out by a good Power 5 team. Not good. I, mean, I don't. Fine. I don't dis. I don't disagree. But you know, let me pull this up real quick. It's not like. It's not like it's very often that Duke puts up forty-one points and five hundred plus yards of total offense. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, they're, bad. Their their quarter Duke's quarterback just like, just like smack Northwestern around like it was not. Pretty. Uh, let's see. Yeah. 300, my, 305 in the air, 108 on the ground, four total touchdowns. My Big Ten West pick is uh, not not looking great. Yeah, especially because Clayton Thorson last week, 11 for 29, 120 yards, two interceptions. Justin Jackson, but then he, Justin Jackson, seven rushes for 18 yards. But then again, last year they started 0-2 with the Illinois State loss, they and did. they turned out okay. So Yeah, I mean, this. I, I think they probably – when a one that's a little closer than it probably should be against Bowling Green, and then um, <laughs> their next four games at Wisconsin, Penn State, at Maryland, against Iowa, they might go zero and four during that stretch and walk out of it with a two and five record. College football's weird. College football. We just very weird. we just shuddered at them having to play Maryland at Maryland. So. Still. And we know they're going to try and run all over them. So, yeah, I mean, ooh, wait, this is Maryland? Oh, God, is this Maryland's bye week? Jesus. Well, that sucks. Yeah. There is, it's, this is Maryland's bye week. I believe this is also Michigan State's bye week. It is Michigan State's bye week, yes. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. I think it's just those two. Got to love those early season buys, especially when you're, Teams like Michigan State and Maryland, and you play a very physical, very demanding style of football. Yeah, yeah. love that. Yeah. So, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, 
I don't think so. All right. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Yeah. Pretty please. Uh, leave us reviews on iTunes. Subscribe to all the various ways uh, that you can subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you follow us at RLR Blog on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Buy our shirts. We got a new shirt out. You should buy it. It'll look good on you because everything looks good on you. You're beautiful. Keep reading the site. Keep supporting the site. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this edition for Roar Lions Radio. Uh, for Nick Pollock, I'm Bill Filippo. Take care, everyone. Deep state.